The book of Isaiah begins a series of five Old Testament books that are sometimes collectively called the major prophets. They are not major in the sense that their messages are more important than those of the other books in the Bible. They are major in the sense that their messages are long. All of the messages in the Bible are important because they are nothing less than the inspired word of God. This section of our study on Connecting the Gap is referred to as major because it is so extensive. We're going to be getting into the prophecies of the major prophets, starting with Isaiah in our study on prophecies of the Bible on Connecting the Gap right after this. Welcome once again to Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, your host. Thank you for joining me as we continue our study through the prophecies of the Bible. We started at Genesis and we have reached Isaiah as we are getting past the center portion of the Old Testament on our way to Revelation. Visit my website, connectingthegap.net. There you can subscribe to my podcast, my blog, my YouTube channel, and check out my Facebook and Twitter pages. And uh, please subscribe to all of those and share and help us get the word out here on uh, Connecting the Gap. For that, I'd be greatly appreciated and definitely keep me and my ministry in your prayers as well. Well, as I said, we're going to be getting into Isaiah this week as we start out for the major prophets section of the Bible in our study for the prophecies of the Bible. And we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. This is going to have to do with the judgment of Judah and Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord says, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will rid myself of my adversaries and take vengeance on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your dross and take away all your alloy. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with justice and her penitence with righteousness. The destruction of transgressors and of sinners shall be together. And those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the terebinth trees which you have desired, and you shall be embarrassed because of the gardens which you have chosen. For you shall be as a terebinth whose leaf fades, and as a garden that has no water. The strong will be as tender, and the work of it as a spark. Both will burn together, and no one shall quench them. Here God identified himself in three ways. He is the Lord, he is the Lord Almighty, and he is the Mighty One of Israel. He is an all-powerful supreme being who is a force not to be trifled with. His judgment will come to Judah and Jerusalem to accomplish two things, to purge the wicked and to restore the nation. Upon completion, Jerusalem will be known as the city of righteousness and also as the faithful city. God's judgment will lead to the redemption or the payment of a price to free sinners of the godly because they will repent or turn away from wrong and toward God of their sins. The ungodly will be destroyed because they have forsaken him. They will reap shame and disgrace because of their false religion. They will deceive themselves into thinking they are strong, but they will perish. 
The Jews have returned to the land and Jerusalem has been rebuilt, but the Jews have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. God is a force to be reckoned with, and he will deal with them. He will send calamities such as wars, disasters, and those types of things during the tribulation period to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. Afterward, during the millennium, Jesus will reign in Jerusalem, and the city will be known as the city of righteousness, the faithful city. The important thing here is God's focus on Jerusalem. He lets us know the city will come back into existence at the end of the age, ultimately be redeemed, and be led by men who have turned to God. As we move on in Isaiah to chapter 2, verses 1 through 22, concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the last days, the temple will be rebuilt. It'll be higher than the surrounding area. It'll become the religious center of the world. Multitudes will go there to learn God's ways. Jesus will rule over the nations. War will end. There will be peace on earth, and all Israel will be encouraged to follow him. God forsook Israel and his temple because the people embraced pagan customs and practiced divination. They piled up treasures and committed idolatry. He forced them out of the country, scattered them among the nations, and set aside a time of judgment. When this happens, the proud will be humbled. Jesus will be exalted. Idols will be destroyed. Men will hide in caves. Earthquakes will shake the earth. And Israel will stop trusting in mortal men. The temple will be rebuilt in the last days. It will be elevated above the surrounding area and transformed into a worldwide religious center called the House of Israel's God. Jesus will sit on the throne of David, rule the nations, decide national issues, and arbitrate disputes. Weapons will be destroyed and war will cease. Military preparation will end. God forsook Israel and its former temple because the people forsook him. They took up the customs of unregenerate or unsaved people, customs forbidden in the Bible. They practiced divination, which is trying to predict the future through omens. They coveted wealth and worshiped idols. Thus, sin is the reason why the Jews were scattered all over the world and why God said there will be a tribulation period. The wealthy who suffer from pride and the idolaters who suffer from arrogance will be humbled. Many Jews will abandon their idols and turn back to God. Many preachers and teachers discard most of the Bible passages about the wrath of God, but they like to use passages like this. God's wonderful plans include a future kingdom with messianic rule, teachings, and universal peace. Also, one wonders if this is why Muslims like to build their mosque where they can overlook everything in the area. The Millennial Temple will occupy the highest spot in Jerusalem. Gentiles will climb that holy hill to worship and consult with Jesus. Randall Price stated, When the millennium begins, topographical changes will occur that will cause the city itself to be elevated above the surrounding land, which will be flattened into a vast plain. That's uh, stated in Zechariah 14.10. This will be done so that the Temple Mount will occupy the highest elevation in the region, making Jerusalem the new center of the land. Now, there is nothing wrong with acquiring wealth unless it is acquired illegally. Used to glorify oneself instead of God, or used as a substitute for trusting in God. God's people should not be like everyone else in the world. The Jews will rebuild their temple by the middle of the tribulation period, but that temple, sometimes called the tribulation period temple, is not the one that will become the religious center of the world. The glorious temple in this passage that Jesus will rule from is often called the millennial temple. 
The set time of judgment is a tribulation period. Repentance and true worship will be a result. It's difficult to imagine the extent of Judah's sins before God destroyed the nation and scattered the Jews. But the Jews loved living in darkness. They refused to repent and persuaded themselves that God would take care of them no matter what. I'm going to give you some fast facts on the dispersion of Israel, and it's going to present a graphic description from God's viewpoint. This is on the scattering of the Jews. Number one, Judah was made desolate, cities were burned, the fields were stripped. That's uh, stated in Isaiah 1, 7-9. Secondly, the people spoke against God. That's Isaiah 3, 8. The land was filled with injustice and unrighteousness, Isaiah 5, 1-10. The people did not understand the word of God, Isaiah 6, 9-12. The women were complacent about spiritual matters, Isaiah 32, 9-14. The people would not follow God or obey His laws, Isaiah 42, 23-25. All their leaders from the first to the last sinned, that's Isaiah 43, 26-28. In Isaiah 51 through 2, the people failed to respond to God. In Isaiah 51, 17 through 20, their sleeping, spiritually blind children would not be able to lead them. In Isaiah 59, 1 through 2, sin separated the people from God. And in Isaiah 59, 9 through 15, the people blindly turned their back on God. This resulted to the entire creation being changed during the millennium, including the heavenly bodies. On earth, Messiah will rule and receive worldwide reverential respect. In Isaiah chapter 4, 1 through 6, it says, In that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away your reproach. In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem, when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a covering, and there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat for a place of refuge, and for a shelter from storm and rain. Have you ever wondered about the new world order that God has and what some of those features are going to be of it? Well, I'm going to share with you now a list of things that are important features of God's new world order. These are fast facts on Jesus as king during the millennium. And these are all also stated in Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, the government will be upon the shoulders of Jesus. In Isaiah 11, 1 through 13, righteousness and peace will prevail. Isaiah 12, 1 through 6, it'll be a time of praise, singing, and thanksgiving. Isaiah 16, 5, in love, Jesus will sit on the throne of David. Isaiah 25, 6 through 9, God will put an end to death and tears. Isaiah 26, 1 through 17, Judah will be strong and will rejoice. Isaiah 27, 1 through 13, it'll be a time of abundance and restoration in Israel. Isaiah 30, 23 through 26, the sun and moon will be brighter. Isaiah 32, 1 through 4, 
God's people will have spiritual understanding. Isaiah 33, 20 to 24, there will be no sickness or sin in Jerusalem. Isaiah 35, 1 through 10, the desert will bloom, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk. In Isaiah 43, 5 through 7, the Jews will be regathered. Isaiah 44, 3, God will pour out his spirit. Isaiah 51, 3 through 4 and 9 through 16, Gladness and joy will prevail. Isaiah 52, 6 through 10, everyone will know Jesus. Isaiah 54, 1 through 17, Israel will be enlarged. Isaiah 56, 6 through 8, Gentiles will share the blessing. Isaiah 61 through 9, Gentiles will worship Jesus. Isaiah 61, 4 through 11, Israel will be blessed. Isaiah 62, 1 through 12, Jesus will delight in Israel. Isaiah 65, 17 through 25, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And lastly, Isaiah 66, 1 through 24, God will deal with his enemies. The scriptures that I read before that in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, that passage begins with the verse about the tribulation period and moves on to some comments about the millennium. Ward will decimate the male population of the earth during the tribulation period. So many men will be killed that seven women will be willing to share each male survivor. Women will be so desperate to marry and have children, they will offer to work to support themselves. During the millennium, the branch, or Jesus, will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. He will be honored by those Jews who make it through the tribulation period, and they will be called holy. The city of Jerusalem and women who have sinned will be judged and cleansed by fire. God will be present in a cloud of smoke and flaming fire. He will be the defense, shelter, shade, refuge, and hiding place of the Jews, and they will be safe. This will be fulfilled during the tribulation period and millennium. Were it not for the second coming of Christ, no one would survive the tribulation period. But he will come back, put an end to war, and restore the earth. There will be worldwide worship of the Antichrist during the tribulation period. Many Jews will be led astray, but one-third will escape into the wilderness, which is probably to Petra, where they will seek the Lord and eventually be forgiven and saved. Suffering will not be limited to the Jews. Many Palestinians and large Arab populations will perish. Terror will spread around the world. Then Jesus will return, destroy the ungodly, and everything will be made right. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a prophetic verse about the virgin birth. It was a time of trouble. The nation of Israel had divided into a northern kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah. The northern kingdom formed an alliance with a third nation, Syria, and the two besieged Judah, along with Jerusalem in an effort to overthrow King Ahaz of Judah. They thought they would prevail, but they did not. When they continued to plot against King Ahaz, God sent the prophet Isaiah to tell King Ahaz not to be afraid. King Ahaz was skeptical, so God sent Isaiah to him with the second message. God would give the king a sign if he would ask for it. King Ahaz refused God's generous offer, so God decided to give one of the whole house of David, or the Jews, a virgin, would give birth to a son. And he would be called Emmanuel. The virgin birth of Jesus is a sign. 
Isaiah said, the Lord himself would give you a sign. That's in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. According to Webster's, a sign is something extraordinary. For a young woman to bear a child isn't extraordinary. Young women bear children every day. But it would be extraordinary if a virgin bore a child. That would definitely be a sign. This was fulfilled several hundred years later when Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus. When Mary questioned it, an angel said, with God, nothing will be impossible. Those who don't want to believe the word of God are free to ignore it. The refusal of Ahaz to accept God's offer of a sign was an expression of unbelief. But the unbelief of some doesn't prevent God from revealing miraculous things to those who trust him. As a sign of his love, he would send a Messiah. He would be a light like the Shekinah glory of God that resided in the Holy of Holies at the tabernacle and like a lamb without blemish and spot that was sacrificed for the sins of the people at the tabernacle. There are a few predictions about the first coming of Jesus in Isaiah. They are literally fulfilled. Many prophecy experts expect everything else Isaiah said to be literally fulfilled. Some facts about Jesus as Messiah in the first coming. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people will see a great light. In Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, the characteristics of God's servant. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, Jesus will be beaten, mocked, and spit upon. In Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, and 53, 1 through 12, Jesus will suffer. And in Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, it speaks of the ministry of Jesus. That's it for this week on Connecting the Gap as we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. This is a study by Damon Duck. I'm Daniel Moore. Thank you for joining me this week on Connecting the Gap. Visit my website, connectingthegap.net, and be sure to share us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to my podcast, my blog, and my YouTube channel. And thank you once again for joining us. Next week, we'll continue on through Isaiah as we continue the study of the major prophets, and we'll get into talking about Iraq and Syria and northern Israel as we uh, go on and wrap up into Isaiah and possibly get into Jeremiah next week as well. So that's all on the horizon. Thank you once again for joining me this week. Until next week, remember God's word never fails us. God's word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, he has connected the gap.